Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Salvatore. Thanks for joining me for Live, Work, Play, the Economic Development Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Kelly Rudick. He's the head guru at It's Logical. They're a company specializing in strategic planning. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about what ESG means and how that affects organizations all over the place. Thanks. Kelly, tell us a little bit more. Uh, sure. Thanks so much, Paul. It's a pleasure to join you. Thanks for the uh, for the invite. Yeah, so uh, it's logical. Uh, some people ask me where the name come from and um, talking to people about my ideal state of, of planning in a municipality. Um, invariably, the term it's logical would come up and we'd use it a lot. So I, I borrowed that. Yes, working with many municipal governments, uh, some nonprofits in in strategic planning, but not just strategic planning in the sense of having a plan and patting yourself on the back for for that accomplishment. But we I push them to to think about how to leverage that that really rich data that they have and rich information to then uh, you know infiltrate permeate the rest of the of the processes in the organization to make really aligned decisions to those goals that they've set for themselves. And uh, too often, I, I, I think we, we don't do that. They're, they're separate processes, especially when we get down to something like a budget. I think right now, there's a lot of complacency in how we budget. And that's probably not just in, in municipal worlds. But but it's probably across different sectors. And in, in, you know, we just take last year and we cost out the things that we did last year and then add those riders like inflation or growth. And and we don't do ourselves any favors without looking at the relevancy year to year of the things that we're doing and how well they continue to align to those things that we want to achieve. So that's what that's what I'm doing. Um, talking to folks who who want to listen and and are keen to, uh, in my mind, improve processes that have have somewhat stagnated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know that you're, you've got a real emphasis on priority-based budgeting, uh, really uh, sort of bridging from uh, what you just said there, and uh, how uh, people can kind of look at their budget process, I guess, with a little more dynamic view, rather than just going through the notes from last year and saying we're going to increase by three percent because that's our target um looking at what really matters in terms of the organization and the values and how those connect to the budgeting process and i think that is uh, so cool because you know if you're anyone who sat through a budget process uh, in a municipal setting or any organizational setting for that matter uh, it can be just that type of an exercise it's just there's really not a lot of uh, invention or depth of thought that's put into it. it's just simply a mechanical exercise and you're going to spit out a document in the end that uh, uh, your uh, stakeholders or shareholders are going to look at and say uh, yeah okay that sounds about right rather than reminding yourself of some of the values uh, that underpin all of those things and so today like uh, our big focus of the conversation kind of ties into that by saying that uh, you know if we talk about um, those things, and we talk about ESG and, and of course, environmental, social, and governance uh, out there in the in the world that we uh, navigate today. 
what does that exactly look like? So I kind of wanted to look at that from the perspective of economics and economic development and uh, what sort of trends you might see, Kelly, in terms of you know what municipalities are doing, what kind of process are they going through? Where do you see opportunities for municipalities and, and other organizations to really think about ESG and what that means uh, to their organizations? Right. So the old word that we used to use maybe when I was uh, um, getting maybe halfway through my career, we used the word sustainability and it meant, mm -hmm. you know, the triple bottom line. Um, I would say there's things happening in the space of uh, inclusivity, diversity, you know, First Nations, Indigenous inclusion, all sorts, you know, and those layers that you talk about as well, environmental, social and governance. Um, what's happening in municipalities today, I think the municipalities that have kind of broken that mold of, of complacency and stagnancy are, are really keen to be learning about what, what is coming down the road. They are using things like the tools that you're taught, you talked about priority-based budgeting, making them priorities. And then so, so what that means is challenging the things that we're doing today and how well do they align in environmental goals, in social uh, aspirations that we have. And you talk about governance, there's probably no more powerful entity out there than a local government to have impacts on citizens and community. It's the closest uh, level of government to the citizens. So it's it's a powerful um, opportunity that that municipalities have. I do know maybe maybe more so in the states right now because they seem to be maybe a couple of years ahead of us in the application of some of these tools. Places like Pittsburgh right now I know is using priority based budgeting tools and mindset to try to achieve their environmental goals. So they're thinking about climate policy and what that looks like for municipal. Uh, operations. And so what are we doing today? How is it helping us achieve, whether it's GHG emissions or whatever the case may be, and adjusting accordingly? You know, if it's not if it's not serving the purpose that we that we wanted it to, adding that level of leadership and stamina to make the decision to stop doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. Because stop stopping to do something is it can be hard because it will impact people, whether that's people in your organization or the community. So you you better be making that decision for all the right reasons, and and you do when you know when you make it with the data and evidence that you have using using the process and the tools that we're describing. Uh, there's a story that goes along with the decision that's made. Mm -hmm. Well, I you know one thing I I've always thought about is how every organization, municipalities, different uh, not for profits that are out there, they all have their own unique kind of character or personality that they bring right so if i'm uh, working out in rural alberta somewhere or, or or another part of the country uh the way the lens i look through and, and the way i perceive my community is quite uh different than someone who might be in a, a larger city and uh and that in a lot of ways can create scenario where well you might not see that there's much of an emphasis on it or it's really just uh, almost a risk tolerance to change that different organizations and different leaders, I think, as well, that are 
within those organizations want to consider as they're looking at the whole topic of ESG and what that means to them. So I think it's a really great opportunity for them to go through that process and really ask those questions about what ESG means to their organization and then sort of act on that basis. I think alternatively, I think it can be detrimental if you go through a process that you call ESG. In effect, all you do is uh, grant chase. Like we'll see some some examples where all you're doing is grant chasing. You want to meet ESG requirements. There's a requirement in a grant somewhere. So you go through a process and essentially you've decided that this is the express lane to get your money for the grant. There was some example of that a few years back with some of the gas tax money that went toward uh, sustainability planning and that kind of thing. Um, I remember it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, I think there are probably a lot of people out there that kind of have this almost kind of crass view of what ESG can mean. But what would you suggest, Kelly, in terms of making that the most meaningful and valuable, not just for the people that are sitting around the table, but for the communities that they're they're trying to serve? Well, I think you have to be genuine about it. And and I think it starts with leadership, like leadership at a CAO level or an executive uh, level, but also with uh, with your council. So I think you, you and I have chatted and I've been very fortunate that I, I somewhat get to pick and choose who I work with. And it's because I do look for that alignment to start out with because that is a condition for success that that I like to see is that starting point where we don't have our heads in the sand in that this 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 will pass as well and, and we'll be fine, we'll get by this, or we'll just check the box like you're talking about. It's that authenticity that's required to to have some success. I was always also thinking about ESG in terms of I think municipalities, successful municipalities will recognize that that authenticity in that space will help them attract talent as well. Because the the Gen Z uh, uh, generation, I like to call them actually Gen P, Gen Generation Purpose. They are very purpose driven um, folks, and this type of conversation does resonate with them. And they'll hold out until they see it before they commit. They're not going to just go through the motions and put in time in a place that 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 doesn't have the same values as they do. Mm-hmm. So I think for municipalities, um, they it behooves them to make sure that they are a cognizant of of the issues that are out there, but being again authentic about how they operate and and think long term. Because you know, gone are the days that you hire someone and you expect them to be with you for thirty years. Expect to have talent, um, work with them, empower them, share a common vision, and be okay if they someday want to go work somewhere else because you know they see an opportunity but to get them in the door i think you be genuinely um, interested and compelled by um, the benefits of of vsg Mm -hmm. what uh in your opinion have you seen in terms of uh, the communities that have adopted some of that thinking and and are there some examples or best practices out there that you think would uh, be you know good models to emulate so I have a soft spot for one of my uh, partner municipalities, and that's uh, town of Westlock. Um, I, I actually, it's it's odd. Well, maybe not odd. It probably makes sense in some in some aspects. 
the and you've probably encountered this too you're at the mid to small size places just because of their size maybe they're not so they're not so hard to to impact change mm-hmm. um town of westlock is a great example they uh you know mid-sized town um you know started working with them a few years ago uh, i call them my lab because we try things out and we're not mm-hmm. we're not we're not deathly afraid of, of you know, maybe, maybe making a misstep here or there. We call it learning. But but they have truly adopted what, whatever you want to call it, a holistic approach. I call it a well-being approach to planning, which I think aligns nicely with ESG in that, you know, what is the what is the purpose of municipal government's being? And for for me, when I offer up that it's help create as much as you can the conditions to achieve well-being for citizens and community it's i have a hard time arguing that and others do too so yeah they're they're one of maybe a few that i can think of but a ton of west Luck's just they're just rolling up their sleeves and and mm-hmm. they're they're really loving the challenges of of change and uh recognizing the benefits of of getting it right yeah so what would you say, Kelly, in the time that you've had to work with the town of Westlock as an example, like some of the tangible and intangible outcomes that you've seen over the course of that time? Yeah, so I had this really interesting story and uh, it's unique to me. I've never heard of it before. Maybe abroad I would have heard of it, but they had a longtime resident um, pass, unfortunately. And they didn't know this was happening, but he bequeathed them a large amount of money. And the condition was that you can't go and spend this money on just a capital project. He said, you know, I'd like it to see, I'd like to have, see some longevity and, and uh, you know, uh, more community focused in that, like social things happening. Mm-hmm. And so... This was after we started our work and they really embraced this idea of well-being. And they've now since created a foundation mm-hmm. and uh, empowered community to come bo- come on board. They went through it all the right way for all the right reasons. And so now this foundation, I think beginning of next year, is going to be taking applications from community groups and individuals on how to, um, you know, push forward some sort of well-being aspiration that mm-hmm. that that the community that aligns with community goals yeah yeah um, so community investment essentially yeah and, yeah uh, right so yeah so that's great the and so that's one instance i've also um actually seen the culture of the organization change kelly shows up from strathcona county and suggests you know you should be doing priority-based budgeting and why don't you have a good strategic plan you know there can be some kind of looking inwardly and what's wrong with us asking yourself Mm -hmm. why why change Um, but since that first interaction which was actually really positive to to be to be honest but since that first engagement i've just seen every department in their own way, kind of embrace this idea that they're part of a bigger thing that's happening, whether that's in the organization or the community, and really embrace, I think, that that the S part of ESG, the social part, the the fabric, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the connections through, you know, municipality and citizens and 
yeah, they, they call the their vision statement is the community with spirit. And normally I'd, I'd look at that and say, well, that's not really unique, except when you're there, you feel it. Um, and and uh, so it's really it's really appropriate. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, it is so hard to uh, in some cases, you know, you get different personalities involved in some of these processes and you get some resistance from some, but others that are very eager and uh, sort of balancing that when you go through these processes is uh, is a real skill uh, to be able to do that. And and then, uh, you know, of course, as a facilitator, you're creating a, an environment that's safe and and can be kind of fertile ground for ideas and brainstorming and, and giving people an opportunity to really express themselves. And sometimes that is absolutely the opposite. And so it's, it's so good to hear that uh, you've been able to create that kind of reaction from the, the, the groups that you work with, Kelly. It's been very satisfying. I am um, very grateful that that it happened that way. And and um, I think there's just a level of intentionality that's required to not just go through the motions. I think you know where you want to be at the end. So, you know, it, as municipal government, I think that we need to look at ourselves and say, you know, are we really asking our citizens the right questions? Yeah, do we, do exactly. we fall back? fall back on what would you like your taxes to be? Because you and I know the answer to that already. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why do we even ask it? But um, mm-hmm. if if you throw down some more compelling questions that that are thought provoking and, and engage in a different way, I think we might be surprised at the, the richness of the answers that we get back. Yeah, and it's, it's not a surprise to hear you say, like, you're working with communities that are going down that road and, and willing to explore the opportunities that they haven't really considered before. But it, it underpinning a lot of that as well is there has to be a good relationship between your uh, administrative leaders, the CAO directors, uh, and the elected officials as well. It, you don't. Uh, it's really hard to envision a great outcome from a strategic planning session if there's sort of an embattled relationship there and. Unfortunately, we see that uh, often uh, in certain cases where uh, somehow, you know, combat is considered to be good politics. Good old taxpayer associations and letters to the editor screaming about this, that or the other thing sometimes dominate, uh, you know, people's emotions. And and, uh, you're right about relationships. I would say one of the things I was adamant about uh, early on starting the business was it was relationship focused and you and I are a good example you know we have really good conversations we've we actually have yet to do any work together mm-hmm. but that's fine you, you and I can you know call each other or get on a zoom and run something by each other and there's huge value in that and that's the way I apply you know I call I, I rarely call people clients I like to call them partners mm-hmm. um, and and you know I said I I, I like to work with the like-minded and I've been able to pick and choose, but I don't get it right every time. There is the odd time that it's a one-and-done engagement, and that's usually the factor, is that there's just this built-up animosity that is really hard to get over. And maybe animosity is a, a strong term. It's just not a lot of trust involved in the relationships that you were talking about, mm-hmm. and it takes time to build that. And I can help folks to to get there but i like to see the desire to want to get there to start mm-hmm. um, well 
and it's so interesting because you you know when you sort of frame it as you know budget impact uh well nothing creates uh more inefficiency than chaos <laughs> and when we have uh you know situations where you know like you say you've got combative type individuals that might have to work together all of a sudden after an election that doesn't really make it any easier on staff in terms of their stress level that doesn't make it any easier on the elected officials themselves the people in the community that are expecting more it just seems like yeah that there's so many challenges that you have to get on top of versus coming to the table with an open mind and being ready to to sort of play right versus hashing out that everything's perfect overnight it's really about a process in my opinion that people get to know each other respect each other build some trust and then get some really cool stuff done you know i think if more more organizations considered it in that kind of context they would uh, probably have better results in the end instead of uh, throwing buckets of water to keep things cool uh, <laughs> it just seems to be you know great contrast between the 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 different organizations that do it well and then the ones that somehow think that uh, because you know have an authority to do something that they can just sort of slam their fists down and, and make something happen and uh, and so yeah you you do realize dealing with your your partners hired you to do work you really appreciate the ones that understand yeah well it's um i wrote a blog some time ago and my research that i did I ran across some studies where someone had accumulated a bunch of studies, and I guess it's a very rare to find any kind of function that you're doing either as an organization or a person where you your results are far greater when you're operating from a sense of calm or joy or happiness as opposed to the other that you're describing. Like mm-hmm. I can't think of a one where I've seen, well, you do better when you're upset or angry or there's chaos. So if we if we're willing to admit that that's the truth, then that might be the first thing that we do. Let's try to get to that that place from which um, we will succeed first and foremost, and that's with that trust and that calm and nurturing relationship uh, rather than the other. Yeah, and and so kind of like rolling back to ESG again, it's. Uh, you know, if you're able to create that kind of culture and environment around ESG, then those outcomes will be valued and adopted, not just within your organization, but as the community as a whole. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah. And, you know, if you bring it back to maybe we're talking about generational things and this is new for somebody, I think anybody that has embraced the idea of wanting to continually improve, that's different from decade to decade or year to year. Sometimes it's different from month to month. And if the environment we're facing right now is, these are the things that we have to be aware of and be good at. If we want to improve, then, you know, uh, tackle it that way. I want to be the best version of municipality, whoever, or nonprofit, whatever. And to do that, these are the things that I have to get really good at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and at the end of the day, um, it's just good business, and that creates uh, opportunities to do better. It could mean saving money in one in one sense, uh, because you're you've got sort of time to to think better about things and and come up with solutions, uh, not in the in the heat of debate or conflict or any of that, 
uh, it's, there's a lot more clarity uh, when you're able to kind of, you know, bounce ideas around uh, for sure. And, and to me, that just makes good economic sense that uh, you know, organizations uh, across the board uh, can benefit from taking that mentality and, and putting it into action. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's an approach that I've seen with done well and not surprisingly um, success followed. So, yeah. Well, Kelly, it's been uh, awesome getting a chance to chat with you about uh, ESG today and other other things that you're up to. I really appreciate your time and yeah, wish you the best uh, moving forward and definitely be in touch. I will uh, keep a keen eye and ear on what you're doing and uh, I'll be listening in. So thanks for this opportunity. And thank you, Kelly, for joining me on today's episode. I also want to thank all of you for listening. Can't wait to do another one here coming up. And let me know your thoughts and opinions on people you want me to talk to and topics that you want me to cover. I'm really enjoying this and looking forward to the next one. See you soon.